Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Taking the Fields, a 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, John Fields, and joining me today after really a short break is Matthew Bruni. Bruni, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. We are back. Um, like you said, we got basketball and football overlap, so we're putting out a couple podcasts a week. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this five and six North Texas team. <laughs> Well, like Bernie said, North Texas somehow, some way improves to five and six, four and three on the season. You said that four weeks ago when they were one and six. I'm not sure how many people would have believed you, but here we are after North Texas beat FIU 49 to seven last night in a game that, to be honest, was pretty much over from the jump after. I mean, FIU had a little early momentum getting North Texas to a three and out and then driving down the field. But Kevin Wood gets an interception and takes it almost all the way back. And then after that point, North Texas just poured on the points up 35-0 at halftime. And FIU gets a score on their opening possession of the third quarter. But beyond that, I mean, at that point, it was all semantics and got to see plenty of the backups, got a Jace Reuter sighting and a Cason Martin sighting late in the game at QB. So, I mean, overall, I don't you can't really complain too much about a 49-7 win over maybe the worst team in FBS football. Yeah, uh, when when Bordenschlager threw that interception to Kevin Wood and Kevin almost housed it, that's when I knew it was over. I was like, "All right, can wrap this one up." <laughs> like, <laughs> I I didn't think I didn't expect it to to go on much longer. North Texas did did what they were supposed to do. I said I'd be I I said I'd be frustrated if they won this game by less than fourteen points, and you know they go on and win it by forty two. And FIU, um. You know, the past couple of games, we've talked about their opponents, you know, maybe not being great. Uh, but hell, Southern Miss just beat La Tech. Southern Miss put up a fight with UTSA, you know, give. So that that win looks a little better in, in hindsight. Um, I'll be in at least in that game. They had a quarterback when North Texas played them. Uh, <laughs> now they, they obviously don't, uh, you know, UTEP, uh, I, I believe, lost again last night. Um and so there's, oh no, they beat Rice, but it was an ugly, it was, they were down early and they ended up coming yeah. back to win. Uh, Rice is whatever. So, you know, uh, the wins are starting to look a little better for the most part. Um, and then FIU, they, North Texas just took care of business, right? Uh, FIU is a team that fired Butch Davis last week. And, but Butch Davis is still coaching. Butch Davis, then I believe through the school, like kind of under the bus. Um, yeah. I don't know if you saw this. Do you, do you, do you recall like exactly what it was? Like he said, they were sabotaging the program. Yeah. He basically said they were sabotaging the program. I saw something about they're wearing like hand-me-down pads from Mississippi state this season or something like that. I don't know. It, it all looks bad for the FIU program right now. I believe the athletic director is stepping down at the end of the year as well, if he hasn't already. So just not a lot going their way right now. And 10, 10 losses in a row after winning their, season opener over Long Beach University certainly doesn't help either. Yeah, I think they have the interim already in place at athletic director because I think I saw a video. So I'm I'm yeah. So down an athletic director, down a coach. And I think so Butch Davis coached last night yeah. and he's co- finishing out the season. But from what I or at least I read this on Twitter, I, he's not wearing FIU gear. No, he um, was wearing like a Navy hoodie during the game, like a U.S. Navy hoodie. Yeah, I don't know what that was about, but this is, this is the point we reach with FIU where the coach isn't even, I mean, he's not the coach, but you know, he is finishing. I don't know why he's finishing out the year, but he's finishing out the year, I guess, because he just needs someone on the sideline and he's not wearing any FIU gear. He's just rolling out there with a U.S. Navy hoodie and saying, all right, let's just go play some football. And 
just getting punched in the face by North Texas time after time. Uh, I mean, North Texas did their job. DeAndre Torrey ends up 109 yards. Akaika Ragsdale, 102 yards. Ayo Adai, 81 yards. You know, 378 yards of rushing, 6.6 yards of carry. Um, I, I don't have too much on, you know, on the technical side of things, but it was good to see North Texas do what they were supposed to do, run the ball, which I knew they were going to do just down FIU's throats. And then uh, Austin Ani, six of tw- like the, it was the most Austin Ani game ever. Like. <laughs> am, am, am I wrong? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just it, like, it was like, yeah, I think it was almost flashes of the UAB game earlier this year to me, where UAB threw like three passes in the first half and all of them went for touchdowns. I think Ani had three completions in the first half and two went for scores. Like I was just getting flashbacks to that game, just sort of the roles reversed a little bit. Yeah. It's like, so they used the run and then eventually, they're like, all right, well, you know, well, now we can take a shot downfield because FIU is completely selling out to stop the run. And Austin I just pulls it and just, oh, there's Rod Burns. There's um, who, whoever down, uh, Detravian Brown or someone. I don't, Detravian didn't have a catch, but I know he targeted him. Uh, Bryson Jackson had a 54 yard one uh, reception as well. So it's like, oh, there they are. Just chuck it up to him. And, you know, half the time he hit it, half the time he didn't. And that's why he went six to 12 pretty much. <laughs> I mean, they, they only attempted 14 passes the entire game. And I think through a quarter and a half, it was like three passes. Like they just ran the ball down their throats and there was nothing FIU could do, even though FIU was clearly selling out to stop the run. Yeah, it's crazy. I actually just pulled it up. It was two passes in the entire first quarter because Ani threw two incompletions in the first quarter. And then his first completion came with 13-39 left in the second quarter. That was the Rod Burns 55-yard touchdown. So they literally didn't complete a pass in the first quarter and it just didn't matter. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so um what, what else what else do you got from this one uh, you want to talk about the unt defense or anything uh i'll highlight deandre tory a little more because it was sort of a historic night for him he cracks a thousand yards on the season for the first time in his career and if you look all the way back to i believe it was his freshman year he had a huge season where he had like eight nine hundred yards 15 touchdowns i think that was back either 2017 or 2018 something like that 2018, but 2018. this has been the most productive season of his career, really, aside from the touchdowns. He's got now 1,106 yards, 10 TDs. He cracked the 3,000-yard mark for his career uh, last week. So just shout-out to DeAndre Torrey for being really the one consistent for this team all year because, I mean, they've really needed that with the struggles they've had, wide receiver injuries, bad quarterback play. They've needed somebody to step up on that offensive side and – him and the rest of that running backs room really have in a big way. So shout out to them for that. Um, a couple other stats that were interesting to me that I think I mentioned to you earlier this uh, last night as well. They got their first first half passing touchdown of the entire season in this game on the Oni pass to Rod Burns, which was just an absurd stat to think about that they haven't thrown a single passing touchdown in the first half until game 11 of the year. Oh, uh, but when, they got 20 that. quarters, that's 20 quarters of well. Did they throw then they didn't throw one against Northwestern State? No, it was two rushing touchdowns, I yeah. think. Or so, yeah, they definitely didn't pass for one. 20 quarters of football. Well, really 21, because it was in the second quarter. Um 21 quarters of football without a passing touchdown. Like, and these aren't even like fourth quarters, like these are first and second quarters where they don't that is just an absurd stat. That has yeah. to be the most in the country by far. I mean, besides maybe the 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 uh, service academies. 
<laughs> well, and the other crazy thing was they only they scored a first quarter touchdown for just like it was the third first quarter touchdown all year, I believe, because they got one against Northwestern State and I think they got one against Liberty as well. So just another crazy stat about how bad this team has been early in games. But again, like we said, it didn't really matter much because just really saw nothing from FIU all night. Yeah. Um, oh, go um, ahead. And what, when did it start raining? Oh, I don't know, man. I know it was raining for a lot of the night. That was part of the reason they didn't have interviews on the post-game radio broadcast is because apparently the rain knocked out their equipment. Because in the first half, it looked like, and again, I watched the game. Um, I didn't have the broadcast on for most of the game, but um, it, it felt like the first half, it was kind of dry-ish. And then like the second half, it was like actually raining. Like I don't know if that was just me watching it, but that's what it felt like. Yeah, I'm not sure. I couldn't, like you said, it's tough to tell on the broadcast because like the main panned out camera angle, you never really can see rain very well on that, it feels like. Uh, but can't see much very well on that broadcast. <laughs> oh, no, especially not with like the weird, like gray looking field FIU had. I was, yeah. I and clearly a lot of people on Twitter were tripped out about like both the broadcast sound being lower than the commercials, but then also like just how weird the field looked. I don't know, man. It was one of the weirder broadcasts I've seen that wasn't on CUSA TV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you have on the defense? What, what did you think about how the defense played? I mean, obviously it was a strong outing, but what'd you, what'd you see from the specific? Yeah. I mean, on the positive side, seven points allowed, that's the fewest allowed all year. I mean, they only gave up the one touchdown to Southern Miss, but technically Southern Miss scores 14 points in that game with the pick six. So it's the fewest points allowed by North Texas all year, which is a positive. I mean, if if I want to nitpick a little bit, I did go back and look at the one touchdown pass. And I mean, it just highlights sort of the concern, the main concern with this defense going forward, because John Davis Jr. returned for his first start since four games ago. I think I think the last game he started was the Liberty game. He'd been out with injury and he came back and started this one. And uh, the play before, actually, the touchdown, John Davis Jr. gets a pass interference called. Um, it was, I think, on second down or something like that, but gives uh, FIU some momentum. And then the next play, John Davis Jr. gets burnt inside on sort of a outside receiver, runs a slant route, crosses over the inside guy, and John Davis Jr. just gets beat over the middle there, and the guy goes the rest of the way for a touchdown. So I thought Tyree Davis might have been a bit out of position on the play, too. He was sort of in no man's land. So I don't know if you can give all the blame to John Davis Jr. on that one. But overall, I mean, Ridge Tejada had struggled at that other cornerback spot. Now they're having John Davis Jr. back. And, I mean, he has that one play there, too. So I'm definitely still concerned about that secondary where you're starting a safety at one cornerback spot and John Davis Jr. at the other who hadn't played in three weeks and really didn't get a whole lot of meaningful football in this one either. So. I'm definitely concerned about that secondary, but overall the front seven, I think did a solid job. They got to the quarterback, you know, as much as they needed to against Bordenschlager and, you know, to only allow one TD at the end of the day, you can't be too upset. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's, it's, it's the same thing every week, the defense line and linebackers kind of control the game for the defense and kind of just try to sure everything up. So that way the secondary doesn't have to do too much. Um, I did have one other stat because we talked about it last week, all the 25 plus yard touchdowns they've allowed. I went back and fact checked that just to make sure. And with this touchdown in this game, North Texas has now allowed 20 touchdown plays. The defense has allowed 20 touchdown plays of 25 plus yards this year. And if you count 
the punt return touchdown against Liberty and the pick six against Southern Miss, that's 22 25-plus yard touchdowns against North Texas this year. The punt return one, the punt return one, you will probably throw into that stat. The interception yeah. return, I don't know if we can throw into that. Stat, but, <laughs> but that is that is still that is still funny. That's still, hey, you know, break, don't bend, you know? That's what they say, right? <laughs> That's what they say. Exactly, exactly. Um, oh, Lord. You have anything else in this game before we kind of look a little more big picture here? Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much all I got. Yeah, so um, good win on the road. Uh, I think the spread was like 10 and a half or 10. And so uh, good to cover them, cover that and see them play well. Now, I saw people on Twitter and we're talking about this game specifically and like this kind of run, this stretch of wins, obviously the win streak. You know, people on Twitter were happy and they should be happy. You know, they, they won a game again and they've won four straight now. And again, the, the teams they're playing are great, but if you would have told me that they won four straight after starting off one and six, I would have probably said that's a very low chance of happening because I would have just assumed they lose one to Rice or UTEP. Um, I'll be at Southern Miss and FIU. I would have I picked them to win, but, you know, Rice and UTEP, I was like, you know, they probably drop one of those just because I don't really trust them. You know, they've won four straight. They did what they were supposed to do. And people on Twitter were saying two things. A, this is a different team than the one that lost to, you know, UAB and Marshall and La Tech. Yeah. And La Tech and B they were saying that they, the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for keeping this team together. How do you respond? What do you think about both of those statements? I mean, I think there is sort of a different kind of, I don't know if energy is the right word, but there's definitely something finally headed in the right direction. I think Isaiah Johnson's quote at the press conference this week was maybe the most telling of them all, where he basically said something along the lines of at some point you uh, you'd sort of just have to get tired of it. You know, you have to get tired of the losing. I'm looking to pull up the quote now, but to me, there is just a different energy around this team a little bit. I don't know how much that's going to translate, you know, against UTSA, but I would tend to agree. I think there's a lot of teams that you go on a six-game losing streak like that and the whole season just falls apart. I mean, like we've seen with FIU where they've been just on this long losing streak and they haven't been able to get out of it. And even if you're playing some of the lesser teams in Conference USA, they've still found a way to get out of it. And I do think the coaching staff deserves some credit for that at least, keeping these guys going in the right direction, keeping them together. Um and here I found the part of the quote that I pulled in my presser story on Tuesday was this uh, from Isaiah Johnson. I think there just comes a point where you can't take it anymore. Everybody has bought into what the coaches are saying and good stuff is rolling. I think it's just buying into it. We're all sick of losing. Nobody wants to lose anymore. And you just have to say enough is enough. Obviously, a lot of that feels like common sense, but I think some of that does play a little bit into just the feeling in the locker room where guys maybe finally got tired of losing and they had a, you know, a stretch of opponents, a beatable opponents come at the right time where they were able to turn it around. But I agree that there's something beyond the teams they've beaten, especially the way they beat FIU, where you just see something different about this team. I don't know against UTSA how much that'll matter just with how good UTSA has been, but there's definitely something changed about this team. And I think the coaching staff does deserve at least some credit for that. I agree. I, I think they, I think they deserve credit. Um, I, I have like a few thoughts here. Well, the first thing is, thank God they beat Rice. Because if they <laughs> lose to Rice, I don't know 
if the wheels stay on completely. Like, yeah, they yeah. probably be Southern Miss and FIU, but like the UTEP win, I don't know if that happens. But and maybe, maybe they do win the next three. But still, at the point that that Rice lost, where you're not playing for a bowl game, you're not really playing for anything at that point. I mean, you lose Rice, it, it might not look good for this entire coaching staff, right? Especially yeah. not Seth Petro. Um, but I will say, I think. Phil Bennett and Seth Luttrell are two just based off of what I've heard and what I've, you know, talked to people and everything like that. And what I know about them, they are two coaches that understand how to relate and connect to players. That's one thing that I think is kind of underrated here. Now, do I think that, does that give them, give them a pass for losing six straight games and a couple of them being, you know, against winnable or winnable ish teams? No, it doesn't. But it does give them credit in keeping this team together, I think. Phil Bennett, first year, I mean, obviously he was out of coaching a couple of years, comes back, has a ton of energy, uh, has a fun scheme, you know, an aggressive scheme. I think he's been able to keep that defense locked in t- game after game. He deserves credit for that. And then Seth Luttrell, from a team perspective, I think, and it goes back to even farther, like you look at the recruiting, right? Seth Luttrell has been a really good recruiter since he's been at North Texas. And that part of that is his staff as well, but he's good at building relationships with players. And I think that holds strong in, in the losses. Like I'm not going to say it always results in wins because it doesn't last year and the year before, you know, it doesn't result in, in wins. They've won four straight games for back-to-back seasons. Right. But it does at the very least, I think keep people bought in enough to where they are going to play, you know? And that's something. You, you look across college football, there's teams out there that are not playing. Like, there are Florida, Stanford, right? Uh, Florida was down, was it 42 to 35 at halftime against Stanford? They're not yeah. playing. Like, you go you go across the country, there's teams that are just not playing. North Texas is playing. Like you said, if they're playing, like you said with your UTSA point, if they're playing you know, Western Kentucky, if they're playing even like an FAU, I don't know if it matters because I don't think they beat those teams, but they're not, you know, they every team in the country pretty much has a little couple easy games in the schedule and this is the easy game. So um, I give them credit again for keeping the team and, um, you know, keeping them playing intent and, and not letting them, you know, kind of fold. Um, I don't know if I'm I'm not going to go as far as, as to say that this is a different team as the one that lost to Marshall and UAB and La Tech, because I just think that FIU is actually that bad. And like, so then this <laughs> is actually that bad. And the rice rice is actually that bad. Uh, the UTEP win is again, a, a decent win. I don't think UTEP's great, but a decent win. So I, I don't think they're a different team at all. I think they just played FIU, but I, I give them credit for keeping the locker room. I will say that much. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, if if you're saying, like, I don't get people saying that now, you know, why why yeah. say it after an FIU? I, the UTEP win is the one where you should be like, all right, this is a different team. Like, but I, people on Twitter are like, this is, man, four-game win streak, beat FIU on the road. I'm like, this is the win? That, that got well, and, and I think the argument probably is just the way it happened. And some of what FIU is going through takes away from that, but – I mean, when you beat a team like that 49 to seven, where you still struggled with the Southern Miss team at times that didn't have, I mean, had like a walk-on quarterback in there, you struggle pretty heavily with a rice team, end up going to overtime before pulling that out. 
I think it's just the way it happened. I think there is something to be said for a 49-7 win, no matter who you're playing against. And, I mean, going on a four-game winning streak against any number of teams is always going to be a challenge, even if it is maybe the four worst teams in the conference. Yeah, um, that, that, that's all I have on that. I think um, I think they did, they've done a good job keeping the team. So I'm, I, I still think, obviously, Seth Luttrell has been handed a – a deck that is not favorable for any offensive coach with the injuries that they've had um, and the quarterback play that they have had. So I'm not getting on him. I think that they've kind of tried to make the most of it becoming a running team, a running first and running only team. So credit to him on that. And the defense has been aggressive, which they've had to do because of the secondary. Like, I don't know, you know, in years past, we've always been like, you know, what 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 could the coaches have done? They could have done this, like Clint Bowen, the you know Troy Ruffit, stuff the trail. Like what could they have done differently? I, at this point in the year, we know what North Texas has, and like I said last week, we know what they are. We know what they're not. They're making the most out of it. So they made the most of it this time. So that's that's a good win. I don't I don't have anything else on this win streak. If you want to look ahead to UTSA. Yeah, well, and I wanted to look back on the season just a little bit because I was remembering back to our preseason uh, podcast when we were making record predictions. And I think you make a good point that I'm not sure how much more you could have expected out of this season. Granted, the team we see now, I think there's a decent chance that they win that Louisiana Tech game with even some decent quarterback performance. That's a, that, that might be chance. a team that might be a team that's not playing anymore. <laughs> La Tech yeah. might be a team that's not playing anymore. <laughs> like La Tech is three and eight on the year now, two and five in Conference USA. So North Texas is one of their only conference wins. And then the other conference win they got was Charlotte 42 to 32. But La Tech just lost to Southern Miss last week without a quarterback. So that loss continues to look worse. And then you look at the Liberty game where they had every opportunity to win that and couldn't get it done as well. So you could be looking at I mean, at this point, you could be looking at a six or a seven win team if they find a way to win a couple of those games in that sort of stretch of death early on that we said they needed to. We said they needed to pull out at least one. They didn't. And here they are at five wins facing, you know, a UTSA team that is probably the toughest team they've faced all year. You know what? I'll go ahead and say it. It's the best team they've faced all year because Missouri sucked. Liberty sucked. And all the other good teams on their schedule, even SMU has looked bad down the stretch. They got destroyed by Cincinnati this past week. UTSA is the best team they're going to face all year. 100%. 100%. Um, and, yeah, I predicted this team to go 5-7 and seven before the season. I think um, I picked them 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, I think you picked 6-6. Six and, six, and that came with at least one win in that non-conference or in that early slate of games. Um, and, it, you know, it does – I want to be excited about the four-game win, the, the four win streak. But if you told fans before the season that they were going to be five and six going into the UTSA game at the end, what would the replies have been? It wouldn't have been good. They'd have been like, well, how did we not win at least one or two more of those games to me? Yeah. And like if you show them mean, some of that's some of that's clouded by just the way some of those ended, but like I don't think anybody's going to be happy with a 500 year, especially after, you know, how the 2019 season ended last year of Mason fine. And then how last year ended, you know, back-to-back losing seasons, nobody's going to be content with, you know, a five and seven year or shouldn't have been coming into the year. Yeah. That's, that's, and that's what we said before the season. It's like this, this, this has to be a year. And obviously injuries have, have plagued this team. I'm not saying that they've been, you know, fully loaded by any means, but 
you come off of back-to-back four win seasons and you go into this year and you're like, all right, Seth Luttrell has to make a bowl game, right? Basically to save his, to save his job. That's what everybody was saying. That's what we were saying. Yeah. And now he's five and six with UTSA coming up. And they're probably going to be, you know, close to three touchdown underdogs or two touchdown underdogs at that point against UTSA. And so not a lot of people are going to pick North Texas to win. So if North Texas loses at the end at five and seven, but it's going to be really interesting if they lose to UTSA, even just by like 14 and they don't get blown out last year, they got blown out. What was it? I don't even remember. It was, I got the, I got it right here. Um, yeah. I I saw it in person. It was 49 to 17 and it wasn't even as close to that final score. Oh man. If it is 49 to 17 again this year, then we will be like, all right, then we can look at this, this season as a whole and be like, all right, what, what did that, did that four game winning streak really mean anything? Because for this team and this program, they want to be better than the hundred and let's say 110th best team in the country or 105th best team in the country. They want to be better than that. Yeah. So what do wins over the 128th, 20th, 15th, you know, 100, 100, uh, or UTEP, like the 95th, like what do those wins actually mean? You know, and that's the conversation I think we'll have to have if they get blown up by UTSA. Now, if they keep it close against UTSA or God forbid beat UTSA, <laughs> then we're talking a little bit different at that point. I think this game does, this is, this is a huge game. This is a, this is a huge, huge game for Seth Luttrell and this North Texas team and how this season is going to be remembered and how just this Seth Luttrell, even 10 years going to be remembered to a degree. Yeah. I mean, I I've heard rumblings around everywhere and I tend to agree. This might just be the biggest game in Apogee Stadium history. Like I think since UTSA I'm not going there. Up, I'm not rolling with that. No, <laughs> no, no. I can't get with that. Like why? Why? Because UTSA is really good. Because UTSA is a nationally ranked team, and North nah. Texas is playing for something too. I mean, I could hear the argument. I don't think it necessarily is the biggest game in Apogee's history, but there's not been a crazy amount of big ones aside from. I mean, I guess the drive is one you could think of, but like. Going into, that, game, going into the game, going into the game, I'll think of one. You you keep talking. <laughs> at any rate, it's going to be a big game against UTSA. UTSA comes in eleven and zero, which I don't think we highlighted how they beat UAB last week. But they almost lost to UAB last week. Got a crazy last second touchdown to win thirty four thirty one, where the ball was actually tipped by a UAB defender into the UTSA tight end's hands in the end zone with like three seconds to go in the game. So they barely edge out that win against UAB. I don't know what that means for them in terms of how fired up they'll be for North Texas, but I mean, going for an undefeated season, I'd assume that's motivation enough right there. So it sets up for a really big showdown between a team trying to go undefeated and a team who started the year terribly one and six and somehow some way has a chance to potentially qualify for a bowl game here. So it is a big matchup. I agree. Biggest matchup in Apogee history is probably a pretty significant overreaction. But, you know, at this time of the year, it's going to be all overreaction to the positives after how negative a start to the year it was. I guess if you look at it from a perspective of if they win, it would be probably it one of, if not the biggest wins in Apogee Stadium history. Yeah. Right. Because, like, I just go back. That SMU win 2018 where they blew the doors off SMU was, like, a landmark moment in the Luttrell era. And then you have the That's drive, true. which was – 
you know, a landmark moment as well. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's interesting, there's interesting ones we could look at, but, um, yeah, you bring up a good point. I, uh, this, this game is going to be really interesting from, I think UTSA, so UTSA and UAB was fascinating to watch. I watched most of that game, if not all of it. And it was two really, really good conference USA teams just going back and forth. Haymakers. I was worried UAB was going to win the game before the, the, uh, beforehand, and UAB looked really good. They did what champs are supposed to do. They came out swinging. They are a veteran team that knows what they're doing and plays hard. And you could argue, you could argue they should have won the game. But UTSA, I mean, if, if freaking UAB goes for it on fourth and an inch, they probably do win the game. Yeah. But instead, they punt it back and they go on a drive of their own like that. That's going to be a drive that's remembered in, in UTSA history, just like the drive was remembered in North Texas history. That is going to be the one that people look back on 35,000 plus in the Alamo dome, incredible environment, just incredible game from start to finish and a win. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not worried about a, a letdown from UTSA's perspective, because a they already had kind of a letdown with Southern Miss, like yeah. that was kind of the scare. You know, it was kind of like a scare against a bad team. It's like, oh gosh, we can't do this, and definitely overlooking them to an extent. There's nobody really left on the schedule except for obviously a bowl game for UTSA. So, going on the road, rival, UTSA is going to come firing. Like I'm not worried about that, and so. It's interesting now to see North Texas after this four-game win streak where we're like, all right, North Texas actually has something here. How much will that matter? Because UTSA is going to – Cynthia McCormick. I mean, you look across the board, they got guys playing the best the best football of their lives and the best football in Conference USA. Yeah, well, and the interesting thing, if you want to look across Conference USA, like Western Kentucky, UTSA only beat them 52-46 earlier in the year. And Western Kentucky, I think, has won six games in a row now. So good. Like, they're, they're so not good. the team you want to be playing in that title game. And Western's playing Marshall next week, or I guess this week now. Western's playing Marshall for the East Division title and a chance to play in the conference title game. So it, it's going to be very interesting for me to see. Obviously, UTSA has clinched that conference championship spot. It's going to be interesting to me, if, especially if they face Western Kentucky, what that game looks like. Because I would strongly consider picking Western Kentucky in that game just based off how good that offense is with Bailey Zappi, man. And the first – yeah, I did I did skip over the conference championship game. But um, that, the first game they played, I don't, I don't know how much of that one you watched. I think you watched some of it. Uh, I saw a little. Yeah, the Western and UTSA game. I watched uh, the second half of that, and they were just kind of trading, trading touchdowns the entire game, basically. That, <laughs> If we get that as a conference championship game, that's going to be fascinating. Just an amazing. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that'll be fun. And so it's like from UTSA perspective, obviously they're going to, they want to go undefeated, but at the same time, you know, you have the conference championship game ahead. It's already clinched. It doesn't, this game only matters because of going undefeated. Right. And like, yeah. But and that is plenty, right? That's not like to say that that's nothing, but that's really the only thing that they have. So, you know, if if they like, do you balance it out? Do you sincere McCormick instead of him getting thirty carries, does he only get twenty? You know, does I don't know. I, yeah, how much of any, it is it? 
like saving your guys so you make sure you got them for the conference title exactly. game? I think that's a very fair question. So North Texas just has you got to hang in there. You have to you can't get blown out here because if you get blown out, UTSA is a good enough team and a, a stout enough team on both sides to where they're not going to let you come back. And plus, North Texas doesn't have the pass game to come back. So I'm I'm worried. I don't know what the spread's going to be, but uh, I'm anticipating probably like. 15, 16 UTSA, something like that, two touchdowns yeah. or more. So maybe maybe people will overreact to the North Texas win, win streak and lower it a bit. But, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one in, in Denton. It's it's so funny that the UTSA's last uh, regular season game has to be in Denton, Texas, against North Texas. I mean, the rivalry game, <laughs> everything like that. So. Oh man, no, and it's, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a wild one. I'm glad that I'm going to have a chance to be there in Apogee stadium a few days after Thanksgiving and all of that. So, I mean, if you buy into that, maybe Thanksgiving, you know, UTSA eats a little too much of the cheese on Thanksgiving and uh, comes out not quite ready for that one. But uh, in all seriousness, I mean, it's just going to take this defense not doing what it hasn't done for the most part the last few weeks, which I highlighted that big play touchdown stat earlier. They've allowed 20 of those on the year, but they've only allowed two of them in the last four wins. So if you think of that, that's 18 over, what is that, seven games now? So it's seven games before the four-game winning streak. So if the defense is able to limit those big plays early and not, as you said, get down big early because this offense doesn't have enough to come back, if they can hang around early, they're going to have a legitimate chance to win this game because I think there are some signs – for UTSA, obviously they're playing for undefeated, but there's there's some angles here where you could see them not being 150 million percent in it the entire way, if that makes sense. I think there's some ways you could see that happening. So North Texas just can't get, you know, it, the doors knocked off it early and just have this game be over by the end of the first quarter. That is my concern. Uh, my, my biggest concern is UTSA's receivers are good and they're big. Oh, man. And and um, Frank Harris gives them a chance, like just throws 50-50 balls a lot. And yeah. I'm concerned about Rich Tejada. I'm concerned about John Davis. I'm concerned about the secondary as a whole kind of holding up against these receivers because I, I think North Texas, for the most part, is going to try to stop McCormick because McCormick last year ran for like 300 yards against them. And then this isn't the same team as last year. UTSA has actually really, really solid receivers. And Frank Harris is playing the best football of his life. And I've seen his like high school from high school to college. I've seen basically every single season of Frank Harris. This is not the (laughs) Frank Harris I've ever seen before in my life. And so um, I just think this UTSA offense is a little too balanced, but I do think there's a chance North Texas with playing really aggressive, just gets kind of gets one of those fumbles, you know, gets one of those interceptions that just randomly kind of happens where they, they force, and that, that could change things. They're going to have to get lucky. They're going to have to force turnovers. They're going to need Frank Harris to have a pretty bad game. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to stop Cincy McCormick. And while this front six, front seven has been really good the past few games, um, this is a different animal. This is yeah. a very different animal in UTSA. Like you thought UAB had a good rushing attack and a good offense. You thought SMU had a good offense. Uh, you thought Missouri had a good offense. UTSA is is right there, if not better than all of them. So Well, and the crazy thing to me, just looking at some of the Conference USA stats, obviously North Texas has the number one running game in Conference USA in terms of yards per game because that's like the only oh, thing this offense has had all year. 
But UTSA is number two at 176 yards a game. North Texas has 237 a game. But then if you look at the run defense, UTSA has the best run defense in all of Conference USA. They're allowing 101 yards per game. So, like, if North Texas can't get the run game going in this one, it's going to be really ugly from the jump because there's just everything on offense is predicated on them getting the run game going. If they can't get that going, the pass game isn't going to bail them out unless they get some fluke player or two here and there. It's going to be, you know, a matchup of North Texas strength against UTSA's defense's strength. So I'm fascinated to see how that ends up playing out, but I have a feeling it's not going to be great. Yeah. I mean, it's DeAndre Torrey or Cynthia McCormick, whoever has the most rushing yards between those two is that's going to pretty much decide the game. And I, while I think DeAndre Torrey will have a good game, I just, um, UTSA is going to see the film, man. They're going to see, oh, these guys throw the ball like 15 times a game. Let's just stop the run and force Austin Ani to beat us and like these yeah. young slash unproven receivers to beat us because their secondary hasn't been playing bad. Like it didn't, they, they yes, they gave up points to UAB, uh, but in the second half, they bowed up. Second half, they were just terrific. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Even, I, even if North Texas gets going, it just, this UT, it, they, North Texas feels too one dimensional. I don't know. UAB had a more balanced attack. I'm not, I'm not sure how much North Texas will be able to score, to be honest. But yeah. it could be a low-scoring game, you know? Maybe keep it keep it to, like, 14 to 24 going to the fourth quarter, 10-point game. Give, it, give yourself a chance with the ball. Well, that's like the that. thing to me is, like, if they can establish some of that run game and they can control a lot of the possession, you know, try to get it somewhere around 38 to 40 minutes of possession and only give UTSA, like, 20 minutes of it, if there's a way North Texas can do that and really run the clock sort of a similar way to what Rice did to UNT, they're going to have a shot down the stretch. So it's just about whether or not they can run against a UTSA run D that, I mean, one of the best in conference USA, and I'm actually going to see if I can figure out where they stack up nationally because hundred only 100 yards a game seems I mean, like it would stack up pretty well nationally too. Yeah. Uh, they have Haynes at defense tackle, Dantzler at, at edge. They got the former North Texas commit uh, that ends up going to UTSA and now is, is in his second year. Well, why did I just blank on his name? Do you have his name in front of you? Uh, I don't. I do have the stat that UTSA right. has the number 10 run defense in the entire country, though. So good luck with that. I don't care how good North Texas run game has been this year or some of the offenses UTSA has faced. They're number 10 in the nation behind like defenses like Alabama and Georgia, Wisconsin, U of H, Pitt, Mississippi State. Like yeah. Jamal Ligon is the, <laughs> the linebacker I'm thinking of. He plays a lot for them as well. I got you. Yeah, Rashard Wisdom. I mean, it's a good team overall. I don't have anything else in this one. Uh, if you If you have anything or if you want to close this out. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. I mean, the last note to end it on is just this is going to be a big game in Apogee Stadium, guys. Like it's going to be at, at minimum a fun one to watch at the start. Hopefully North Texas puts up some kind of a fight and this one isn't over after a quarter because that would be a really boring game to cover just selfishly for me personally. But uh, I mean, that's pretty much all we got. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Follow the podcast on SoundCloud. Leave us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at MeanGreen247 to see all of our coverage of football and men's basketball getting underway. They're going to have some games over Thanksgiving before this UTSA game that I'll have covered for y'all. Follow Bruni on Twitter at MatthewBruni underscore. Follow me on Twitter at JohnFieldZero, and we'll catch you guys on the next one.